0: Amen. This morning, we are continuing on with our Faith Over Fear series. How many of you have just really been trying to put faith over fear into practice these several weeks? It's nice to see a few hands go up. Good. Amen. I'd love to hear your testimonies. Feel free to catch me after service or send me a note. Love to hear how God is moving and challenging you in that. Today, we're going to be out of Mark chapter 5. So if you have your hard Bible, your, your paperback Bible, go ahead and grab that. If you have your digital Bible, go ahead and grab that. Or if you prefer just to look at the screen, it's going to be up there. But Mark chapter 5, we're talking about the tale of two daughters this morning. We're going to be looking into the story and the lives of two ladies. We have a window of opportunity to see their life and examine and see how the faith of these individuals or those that are a part of their life propelled and compelled Jesus to act on their behalf. So Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 21. It is a long portion of scripture this morning, so I will do my best not to speed read, but to read accurately. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, that is Jesus. When a woman uh, and a woman was there who had been subject for, to bleeding for 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she had heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she had the thought, if I just... Touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you asked, who touched my clothes? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some of the people from the house of Jairus came. The synagogue leader came. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they had said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, John, the brother of James. When they had come to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing aloud. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him. At once he put them out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He looked down, took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the little girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her some food to eat. Heavenly Father, speak to us this morning. May these words that have been prepared be your words today. We love you. Amen. This story, while a long portion of scripture shows the lives of two different young ladies, two different ladies, two different daughters. We have the story of this beloved daughter, Jairus's daughter. We don't know her name, but we have this daughter, Jairus's daughter, who is loved by her father, loved so much that he went to Jesus to ask for him to come. The daughter of a respected official. And then this woman, which by all accounts of studying and, and understanding is alone and without family. We have the story of the loved and the story of the disgraced. We have the cherished and the rejected. We have the beloved and the neglected. So let's dive into the story and understand why we are where we are at. So we, first of all, we have this lady, the, the woman that has been disgraced, rejected, and neglected. This woman has been bleeding for the Bible says 12 years. She is a Jewish lady. And so their custom and their process of dealing with this stuff, if we go back into Leviticus chapter 15, we have we understand that when a woman had whether it's her monthly, her period, menstrual cycle or this issue in this sense with the bleeding, they were considered unclean. Meaning you you weren't someone that you should be around. And the way they, they had it all situated is that this woman should be outside of the city until everything was done seven days later. So some of you go, man, that's a long time to be outside of the city. Thank you, Jesus, we're no longer living under that. But this lady had this issue of blood for 12 years. Imagine having a medical condition that cannot be treated in any form or manner for 12 years. I know that there are some in here that have these kinds of situations, not necessarily this one specifically, but they've lived with debilitating medical conditions or just a condition that is, just makes it hard sometimes for years. This woman had it for 12 years. Praise the Lord for our modern medicine that allows us to still continue to be around people for the most part. I know my wife struggles with a condition that has been going on for 13 years. Still, She's still you know, taking medicine on a daily basis. The joke in our family is she's, she's the wild animal because she takes bear DNA. <laughs> so it's like, you know, but yet she hasn't grown uh, hair anywhere. So that's good. Thank you, Jesus. She hasn't hibernated either, so sometimes I think she wishes she could hibernate. But how, some, sometimes we all just wish we could hibernate for a while. Take seven days and just sleep it all the way through. But anyways, this lady tried to do, you know, just like my wife and I, when we had this condition, we went and saw doctors and got referrals here and referrals there to try to figure out what was going on. And when we knew we were moving to Sweden, it's like, Hey doctor, we're going to Sweden. Do you have any connections? Because we know we need somebody and we can't do this run around because we just know running around in Sweden just takes a long time. We were fortunate and God ordained that our doctor in, in the U.S. had a great friend here in Stockholm that was, we were able to connect and things would, went very smooth for us in that area. But this lady, she tried everything she could. The Bible said she spent all of her money to try to heal herself, to get better. Why? Because she was tired of being alone. She was tired of being outside of the city where the, the, in Leviticus it said, if you even touched this woman, you were also considered unclean until nightfall. And then you had to go wash yourself. You had to go through a process of ceremonial cleansing. She was all alone. We're not, for the most part, all alone, except now we have a a pandemic, an epidemic in our society around the world of loneliness and depression and isolation that the pandemic of COVID really brought out that our mental health struggle. So there are some people that are in a crowd but still feel alone. Just like this lady was outside and alone, we can be inside of a crowd and be alone. And struggle and struggle and wonder why, God, why? This lady, whatever she touched was considered unclean. If it was furniture, it had to be taken care of or even burned. If her bleeding were to stop, she'd have to wait seven days for her to be ceremoniously cleaned again. Her illness created her isolation. We as sometimes also run into similar situations where circumstances of life create an isolation for ourselves. Whether we intentionally, whether we chose for that to happen or not, her her illness created her isolation. Yet Jesus does not want us to be alone. That is part of why the church exists, so we can come together and support and rally around each other and help each other out. That's what they did in the book of Acts, the early church. People gave of their overabundance to help others that were in need in the church. Physical meaning. But for us today, we need much more often than just our physical needs met. There's emotional and spiritual needs, mental needs that we need to have met. So we can find ourselves in a similar situation that this this woman battling for 12 years was in. Now, Mark gives us some description on what her, she was dealing with. It's not to draw out and say this lady was just really a really gross lady. But his desire is to encourage us to understand that this woman is disgraced and destitute and in desperate need of Jesus's healing and our loving attention. Her life has been very different. Instead of being loved, a beloved daughter of a respected individual, she is destitute and most likely a social outcast, even within her own family. So yet, this, do- this lady, while we say a daughter, say a tale of two daughters, she probably doesn't even feel like she belongs to anyone to even be called a daughter. So knowing her situation and circumstances and that she has to be outside of everybody. And if she even bumps up against somebody on accident, they become unclean. Her boldness to step into the middle of this crowd where it says when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. So the disciples give us the real picture where it's like going to the mall on the Black Friday where everybody has shown up. 500 people are packed into a room for only 100 individuals. You can't get anywhere without bumping into somebody. That's the idea of the situation. It wasn't people that were spread out. She had to navigate and touch every single individual as she made her way to Jesus. Now the reality is the punishment for this behavior was could have been stoning for her. She could have been put to death for her actions and her behavior. So this woman risked a lot because why? She believed in something. She had heard the stories of what Jesus had done, how Jesus had healed and touched and rescued people. She wanted the same because her, her her all she did was because she thought if I just touch his clothes. It wasn't that if I stand in front of Jesus and have him look at me and say those magical words. But if I can just come up from behind a sneak attack, kind of just touch him, he won't feel it because it's just on his clothes. It's the robe, the tassels were hanging down behind him. So it wasn't like Jesus is going to physically feel somebody touching him. Because when she touched him, she would make him ceremoniously unclean. A rabbi, a, a person of elevated stature, she would make him unclean as well. She didn't want to tarnish the reputation of the rabbi if it didn't work. But she had this faith to believe that even if she just touched the clothes, she would be okay. just like we read when Jesus responded to Jairus don't be afraid just believe she had that mentality of just believe if I just touched his clothes I will be okay church when we come to Jesus there there is no magical phrase there is no ritual prayer there is no prescribed set of words that is going to usher in his power and presence in your life in whatever situation and circumstance you find yourself in you don't need a master's level of english or swedish or whatever your native tongue is you don't need a high level and the proper annunciation and grammatically correct sentences. It does not matter. Jesus just wants you to come. Just be with him, to be in his presence. Just believe. All we have to do is just believe. So again, when Jesus, when she touched him, Jesus felt power coming out of him. It wasn't like she was draining power from him. It was his power flowing through him like a vessel. Like if I were to just pour this out another. if my cup was a never, never unending bottle of water and I poured it out. It's that idea. It wasn't Jesus losing who he was, but it was power moving out from him, not reducing. So he asked this question in verse uh, 30, who touched my clothes? the natural response of the disciples is like hey jesus everybody's pushing up against you i could name you four or five people that are touching your clothes right now but she's like no there's something different about this touch we see jesus's response kind of mimicked earlier on in the bible in genesis chapter 3 verse 9 god the father asked a similar question to adam and eve after they had sinned and they were hiding hey guys where are you at course God knows where they're at we also see that God asks uh, the same kind of question towards Cain after he killed his brother Abel hey Cain where's your brother at God the father and God the son are not necessarily asking these questions to gather information but it's a desire to direct a conversation to initiate this conversation see Jesus wanted to do something special in this moment, I believe. This woman who had been an outcast for years and years, he wanted to speak into her. So what did Jesus do when she said, okay, you know, it was me. I did it. I thought if I just touched your clothes, I would be healed. What did Jesus say in verse 34? He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Daughter, before Jesus ever identified her action, what she had done or setting setting her free from her shame, he identified and gave her a new identity. See, this woman had been an outcast and been lost from society for 12 years. I'm sure she got labeled all kinds of things. People walking around, we, we hear in Acts, people calling unclean, unclean. Get away from them. Stay away from me. Yet Jesus said, daughter, daughter. He wanted to give her value and an identity before he ever addressed anything else. See, church, when we come to Jesus, he identifies who we are long before he ever addresses our need. Because we have to find, we have to find a firm foundation in who God has called us to be. Because if, some, if we cannot be firm in who God has called us to be, it will be easy to neglect and negate everything he says after that. saying daughter is identifying i am now your father and you are mine we are in this together you have my backing you have my full authority my power you carry my name son and daughter jesus has given you his full power and authority and backing that should excite us a little bit That we don't have to be overwhelmed and burdened by our situations anymore because we are the son or daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The one who told Moses, I am. Tell them, I am sent you. He is all that we need. In every situation, in every circumstance, He is all that we need. And calling her daughter, she gave her the identity. She has now gone from disgraced to loved. She's gone from rejected to cherished. She's gone from neglected to beloved. In a single moment, in a single action of faith, if I just touch his clothes, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Jesus is responding and putting a declaration out to the entire audience. Hey folks, previously you would have just yelled at this woman and, and told her to go away or stone her. You, know, all, you would have spread like turning the light on with cockroaches on the floor. They just go all over the place. But she's saying, hey, no more. This woman she is my daughter. He's revealing to the entire crowd that her shameful condition is no more. She is ceremonially clean and has regained the ability to be a part of society, something her condition prevented. Jesus also commends her to the crowd, completely reversing her disgraced social status because she is open and honest. She's able to live openly in her newfound freedom. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Her one simple act of faith, while a difficult choice to make, has set her free, has changed the course of her entire life. Once again, Jesus shows that he doesn't care about the social convention he doesn't care if it takes an injury, an illness, or something we're born with, or even something that would make us ritually unclean. Sometimes God just wants to use the ignorable physical conditions we have to bring us closer to Him. Her condition brought her into the presence of the Lord, albeit from behind, into His presence. And in that moment, she became His, His daughter his family. It's a powerful story and one that we could just end with, but our story does not end there. We have another daughter who at this point in time after this woman has been healed from her her issue, we find out she's died. Let's back up that story just a little bit. Jairus, he's, the the Bible says that he is the synagogue leader, meaning he is the basically the modern-day pastor of that area. He, he oversaw the, temple, the synagogue, the, the place, the house of worship, where they would go and worship and, and meet together and take, uh, have their ceremonies. It wasn't the temple that was in Jerusalem where they would have their sin sacrifices. This was the local area that they could all go to. And so it's like our church. So he's basically like the pastor of that area, of, the, of that church. And these the religious leaders... So that included synagogue leaders They were looking in this moment Early moment looking for ways to kill Jesus We read that in Mark chapter 3 So at this moment in time in, verse, in chapter 5 Jairus is taking a huge risk To go meet with Jesus Because his co-workers His companions His circle of friends Were looking for ways to kill this man And yet Jairus is like you know what? Well, I'm going to put it all on the line because of my daughter. I know Jesus can do something for my daughter. So I'm going to lay it all on the line. Sounds like a Hollywood movie, doesn't it? Laying it all on the line, going against the grain. He was showing great faith in Jesus just by stepping out and asking, being in his presence, saying, Jesus, come with me. It wasn't a popular choice, but yet... If you're a parent, you know that the love of the parent is a strong force. It'll make you run at times through a brick wall just to save your child. So then in this moment, after this lady's been healed, we hear the message, Hey, I'm your servant, Jairus, don't don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's died. Jesus overhears this conversation, almost like Superman with a super hearing. He's in this moment with this lady, and he hears this. Oh, I gotta, honey, you're okay now. Hey, Jarius, don't worry, don't be afraid, just believe. Look what I look what just happened to me. That, to me, when he says, "Don't be afraid, just believe," he's. It's kind of like, hey, don't be afraid, just believe. What 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 just happened to this woman, Jarius? What just happened? She believed. She came up from behind. Remember, you saw it. You were there. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Remember what you just saw. So, you know, I can imagine Jerry's go, okay. Got, I'm a, maybe a little trembly on the inside, but okay, Jesus, I'm going to believe. I'm going to believe. I'm going to go with you. Let's go, let's go to my house. I'll show you the way. I get to the house, and, and what we see in the Bible, it talks about how there's this crowd of people that were wailing and crying because back in that day, you would hire professional mourners. So you'd pay people to cry for you. Anybody want to sign up for that? (laughs) Let's go watch a chick flick, and then we can go and cry together at someone's house. (laughs) But they were there, and so they were crying because they knew the situation that this daughter had died. And Jesus kind of walks up and asks one of those silly questions. Hey, what's going on here? Why are you guys crying? do not she know she's sleeping? And what do they do? What's the response of the people? They laughed. Ha, 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 ha you go from crying to laughing and just like that like a flip of the switch you're paid you're paid <laughs> that's why maybe in that moment I just start bawling even more oh what do you mean I just lose it all you know, no mascara so it's okay <laughs> but Jesus said hey guys no she's just asleep and they laugh at him so what does he do he gets a little indignant gets a little holy righteous anger and says get out of this house the translation where it says uh, after he put them out, the, the translation if you kind of go back into it, he basically like threw them out of the house it wasn't just a, hey it's time for you all to, he's like get out and get out now, kind of thing, so he threw them out he put them out of the house and he said come on mom and dad, let's go let's go talk to your daughter, let's go see her, so Jesus walks in And he takes her by the hand and says, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Little girl. Now, for us, we might say, okay, little girl. But if you go back to the Arabic wording here that was used, it's uh, another word that was used for lamb. So Jesus is not just saying, hey, little girl, get up. But he's saying, hey, sweetie, come here. Hey, honey, let's get up. He's using terms of endearment. Again, Jesus said to one daughter, said to now, honey, sweetie, get up. Again, the compassion, the value of Jesus calling these women and placing value on them before even addressing the need. Honey, it's time to get up. It's the love of Jesus here. Every act of Jesus is birthed out of care and compassion for the individual. He sees who they are. When we can't see ourselves, when this woman with the issue of blood just saw herself as a, basically a dirty individual that shouldn't be around people, Jesus saw his daughter. When this young girl was laying there dead and had no life, no, no ability to give anything else, he saw his little girl. Honey, come on. Sweetie, wake up. When you're in your situations, when you're in your darkest moments, when you're in your happiest moments, Jesus sees you. Doesn't he knows your situation. He knows your circumstances, but he is focused on you. You are his priority. You are his main concern. Jesus wants to impact your life because he cares about you. Jesus wants to set you free because he cares about you. Not about what you can do for him, but because he loves you. Jesus died on the cross because he loves you. In Jesus' ministry, faith is a conduit that allows the power of God to act. The faith of this woman with the issue of blood allowed Jesus' power to flow through. The faith of the father, Jairus, allowed Jesus to walk into his house and say, hey, honey, let's get up. Faith is the conduit that allows the power of God to act. Our faith is still required for God to work inside of us. Several things here, some uh, scriptures that are up there if you want to take a picture and, and read through them later. How does our faith act? What kind of faith do we need to have in order for God to work in us? Well, one, it doesn't have to be big. It can be the size of a mustard seed, Jesus said. If you have the faith of mustard seed, you can move mountain. That's a big object. Maybe not here in Sweden, but it's a big object in other places in the world, right? The faith, the size of a mustard seed, the smallest seed in the world. The Bible also says that our faith should be pointed in the right direction. In Hebrews 11, 6, that we should be earnestly seeking the Father. That we shouldn't be seeking the, the miracle. We shouldn't be seeking the healing. We shouldn't be seeking the, the other thing. We should be seeking God and Him alone. That's what our faith should be focused on. That our faith should be persistent. Uh, first, first, First Thessalonians 5 says that we should be praying continuously. That means we should be in conversation with God. Just like I have a conversation with you and you talk with me, we should be talking to God. Just an ongoing basis. Throughout the day. Doesn't matter. Our faith also needs to have the right intent. It is not biblical to have faith that God will give us riches or health. That our faith should have the right motives. We find that in James chapter four. We should have the right motives in what we, why we're asking for what we're asking for. Then we also need to stay within Jesus. John 15:7, He is the vine, and we should remain in him. God promises to give us what we need to do as well. If our hearts are aligned with him as James' right motives, for our hearts are aligned with him and we value what he prioritizes we will be satisfied with what he gives us the leaves on the tree get their nutri- nutrients from where the tree the the full body of the tree the roots bring in the nutrients that leaf will only stay green as long as it's attached to the tree right now we see them starting to turn colors and falling off the trees they're dying if we stay attached to Jesus, his life will flow through us. And if we're attached to Jesus and growing in him and learning more about who he is, his priorities will become our priorities. His desires are desires. And our faith will flow and operate Let's also just address the honest reality. It's okay to be disappointed when we don't receive the blessings that we hope for. It's okay to be disappointed. But we also need to acknowledge that our hope ultimately rests in Him. 1 Peter 1.3 While we have hopes and dreams and desires, sometimes those hopes, dreams, and desires are fall and fail, fade away. Our ultimate hope should be placed in Jesus Christ. I mean, for us in our family, it was my wife brought a dream that I picked up and adopted as my own to adopt a child. It's been a lifelong dream of hers. We had Amelia, and I mentioned her medical stuff. It prevented us from having a kid we lost one due to all this process. But when we got to Sweden and, and things just weren't working, we said, hey, let's, let's do this adoption process. So we, we took the class. That was the course over two weekends. We, we, yeah, two weekends. We went to this class. We started the adoption process. And lo and behold, we got pregnant. We got Elijah. Now the system says, well, you, know, you already have two kids, two, and you're done. Okay. So some of this, we have this joy of having Elijah, but we also have the heartache of losing out on a dream. That's where we have to remember, okay, Jesus, you've given us the hope and the desires. Lord, if it be your will to adopt, we know that you will see it through. Whether we are 45 or 50, it doesn't matter. God, if this is from you and your desire for us, you will see it through. But in this moment, as we deal with the heartache and the heartbreak, God, we rest our hope in you. We put our trust in you. Trust you and believe that you will see us through this process, that you know what's best for us. Even though it breaks our heart, you know what's good for us. So we trust you, God. Now, that's not to say that there are some days where there are tears that are shed because it's been a dream and a desire. It's okay to be disappointed. Can I let you know that? It's okay to cry. It's also okay to go to Jesus and unleash a torrent of words that are building up inside of you that you probably wouldn't express in front of your mother. It is okay. Can we normalize that we have feelings and emotions that build up inside of us? And that Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit is big enough to handle our feelings? Can we acknowledge that? That it is okay to let it out sometimes. Mm -hmm. Not on someone else. But maybe we have to close the door, close the bedroom door, then close the closet door or close the bathroom door so we can just let it out to Jesus. Sometimes we need that release, and guess what? He says, It's okay, daughter. It's okay, son. I am here. My love for you has not changed. My desire for you to be a part of my family has not changed. Even though you're letting out words that would be disgraceful to your mother or father, I love you. Sometimes we just need the release of the pressure. And and then in the moment we go, okay, I'm sorry, Jesus. I shouldn't have said those words. I should have found a better choice. But Jesus is big enough to handle what we feel. Whether we use good words or bad words, he is big enough. And guess what? He wants to hear how we feel. He wants to. Why? Because he cares about our emotions. He cares about our feelings. He created us created our physical bodies. He created our mental state of mind. He created all of us. That was just out of nowhere. Going back. Just as Jesus was about daughter and little girl, the value in the individual we need this reminder as well that in these stories the miracle the miracle of this healing and the raising of the girl from the dead is not the message it's not the point that Jesus wishes to get across while healing is a gift killing on earth is not the point God wants our hearts to be turned to him He wants us to turn our attention to Jesus. That our faith should be in the healer, the one who does the healing, not in the healing. See, this woman's faith was in Jesus. If I just touch his cloak, I will be healed. Because I know and I believe and I trust in his power and his presence. Jarius, if Jesus just comes to my house, my daughter will be healed. If he comes to her, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. And and they were rewarded for their faith. Their faith is what moved the heart of God. So often we just want a miracle sometimes we don't get a miracle I'm just going to be honest this is just branding now if we just want the miracle we might not stick around after we receive it sometimes that's maybe why God doesn't give me what I want because I'm just there for something I'm just there for God. Wants, give me my Lord dos goodies that's what I want today and then I'm, I'm going to check out for the rest of the week God doesn't want to just give us something. He wants to spend time with us and be with us and walk through the situations. So today we have two daughters, two vastly different situations, but yet the same faith. A lady battling for 12 years, trying to find answers, offering prayers, battling isolation, societal judgment, but yet, deciding my faith is propelling me to defy the norms and reach out. We have Jairus, his daughter dying. He would, in this moment, gain the attention of the other religious leaders by defying their ability and desire to kill Jesus, risking his position, but because he loves his daughter and believes what Jesus can do, his faith, their faith moved the heart of Jesus. Jesus his faith in Jesus and Him alone. So today, I have three things that I hope you take away from this. The first is, I hope you don't give up. I hope you don't give up. Oftentimes, we think, you know, if with this lady, you know, after a few years, society would have said, oh, just kind of end it. You're going to be miserable, and if, if modern conventions can't take care of it, just take care of yourself. Jesus doesn't want us to give up. Jesus doesn't want us to let go of him. Don't give up this morning. Whatever you're facing, or maybe you're going to face this situation months or years from now, don't give up. Don't give up. If you have to push your way through the noise of your life to just reach out and touch him, do it. Don't give up. Just like Jarius, don't be afraid to give it all up for him. Don't be afraid to give it all up for Jesus. The reputation, he, I'm sure he put it on the line just to go to Jesus, but he didn't care because if Jesus could just touch his daughter and heal her, it would be all right. My reputation, my job is worth the risk of having Jesus do his thing in my life, of being with Jesus, of following Jesus, I know we here in Sweden, we don't really face the kind of pressure that they may face in the Middle East or other parts of Asia, but I strongly believe that pressure is on its way. Don't be afraid to lay it all on the line in the name of Jesus. Lastly this morning, some of you just need to realize He sees you. He sees you. He's reaching out saying, Daughter, son, I see you. I see you. I see your struggles, but I see you. You may feel weak, but I know that you are strong. You are my daughter, you are my son persevere just a little bit more. Just keep on going just a little bit longer. The end is almost in sight, my son, my daughter. Just hang on a little bit longer. He sees you. He sees you. So this morning, I just want to open up an opportunity for you to respond. whether it's one of these three things or maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking something else to you. I truly believe that coming to the altar and agreeing in prayer or taking a moment to just confirm the Word of God inside of us is necessary for us to continue to grow. The opportunity for reflection is necessary. So this morning I'm going to open up this opportunity if you'd like to come forward and Pray by yourself or, or be prayed for, or you want to just turn around in your seats and kneel down and just cement and firm in what God has spoken to you. I encourage you to do that. So we're going to have Lucas already put some music on. We'll take a few minutes. If you need to go, God bless you, but I encourage you, let's take a moment and seek God and cement what He has spoken to us. And I will come up in a minute and pray.